Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Tom Rainer heads up Lifeway. Lifeway is the publishing arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. And we're not Southern Baptists, but theologically speaking, they'd be kind of like our first cousins. And uh, Tom Rainer also has two sons in the ministry. That, I think, speaks well for him. And he has a, uh, a podcast that I listen to and Jamie listen to, and it's basically for pastors and I think thousands of pastors listen to it, and it, it's a very practical podcast. It, it, it'll be like 10 things pastors can do better, uh, five ways to improve your social media at a church, uh, one of the most recent and most interesting ones, because Jamie and I listen to them, we talk about them sometimes, was, and this, it's not the case here. But it's a case in many churches. It is in my mom's church. Why is the music so loud? Any of you been in a church where the music was just like way too loud? So it's very practical um, articles like that that we listen to. Don't agree with everything, but you can get some good ideas, and it proves helpful. So we listen. Jamie and I discuss it. Uh, he recently came out with a podcast that uh, really got my attention. And the title of it was The Tipping Point. The tipping point. And here's what he says. I'm going to quote from him and just share some thoughts and some scripture with you. Uh, he says this at the beginning of that article. He says, if current trajectories continue, American churches will pass a tipping point. Our congregations will begin a likely unstoppable path toward decline that will rival many European churches of the past century. If there is not a significant movement of revitalization, there will be an accelerated rate of decline and death. So his concern, and he would know better than me, I mean, this man speaks all over the place to all kinds of pastors and what have you. He is concerned that American churches are going the way of European churches. And we are close to reaching a tipping point. Now, before we get into the article, let me share this with you. What's he talking about? Well, I went online this morning. One of the sites that I look at in the morning, you know, I have my morning routine. I check this site and that site and whatever and get the news, the sports, the weather, and usually online. And... Um, but there's also a website it's called Christian Post, and it's just um, a Christian website about current events and various articles. And these three articles I printed off are just from today. And it shows you, that this will illustrate what he's talking about. He didn't cite these articles. I went online, I found these articles, that his concern is warranted. When you read articles like this first one from the Christian Post, these were all three this morning. Lesbian United Methodist Church Bishop facing complaint for saying Jesus held bigotries. And it goes on, it's a picture over here, 
Where does she serve at? Mountain Sky, Episcopal area of the United Methodist Church. Uh, And a weekly message from August 2017, uh, United Methodist Church, Mountain Sky Bishop Karen Oliveto said, Many people want to box Jesus in, carve him in stone, create an idol out of him. If Jesus can change, he can give up his bigotries and prejudices. Now, this is wrong on so many levels. A, A lesbian woman pastor preaching heresy. Now, but it's accepted today. Okay, you understand? It's accept- That's what, this is what Tom Rainer is warning about. This wouldn't have been done 50 years ago. 50 years ago, I mean, in, in the history of Christendom, we haven't seen this kind of decay in our churches since the Roman Catholic Church back through the Middle Ages, which was one of the most, and I'm not saying this would be prejudiced, this is historically accurate, there may have not been a more corrupt organization in the history of the world than the Roman Catholic Church. Now read, read your history. So, I mean, we have had bad stuff in the past that's been labeled Christian, and same thing here. It, it, it's happening today. Here's one, an article written to Lauren Daigle. Dear Lauren Daigle, and I think she's a uh, pop star, pop uh, contemporary Christian singer. Never heard of her till I read this article. Dear Lauren Daigle, uh, well, it goes on. Let me just read you from the article, the concern here. This, this person says, let me first say that I am your fan. Okay? You've ministered to me on multiple occasions, and I trust you will continue to do so. For a while, I played Trust in You. I guess that's the song she sings. Every morning on my way to work, it was my post-devotional Habit it says, but last week you were tested. In an interview on the something show, you were asked a fiercely controversial question that would challenge the delivery process of any publicly known Christian. You were asked, is homosexuality a sin? To which you replied, I can't say one way or the other. I'm not God. Now, this woman, Lauren Daigle, she must be pretty popular because they mentioned she's been a guest on some of the main TV shows. If I were to name them, you would know them. So she must be pretty well known. How, how many of you have heard of her? Anybody in this room? You've heard of her? Any, anybody else? Okay. You know, now, she's influencing people. And when asked, is homosexuality a sin? I mean, the... the I don't think you can be mistaken on that when the Bible calls it an abomination. You know, what, what, you know what's, do you understand? I mean, and this woman, there are young people and probably middle-aged, older people that just probably think she's the greatest. I never heard of her, but probably if she's that popular that she's on these big TV shows, she's, she's having uh, an influence on people. Third article. This is all from just this morning. Feminist theologians draft a woman's Bible challenging male interpretations of biblical women. A group of feminist theologians have come together to produce a draft of a woman's Bible meant to counter traditional male interpretations of women characters in the Bible. Uh, Their stated aim is to expose the lingering patriarchal reading that have justified 
uh, numerous restrictions and bans on women. They don't like it, they'll just rewrite it. And you're likely to get a whimper out of most churches and most pastors. That's why Tom Rainer, that's just a little bit of evidence as to why Tom Rainer says, if current trajectories continue, American churches will pass a tipping point. Our congregations will likely begin a likely unstoppable path toward decline. And then he lists three concerns. And I want to share with you those three concerns tonight. Because at the end, after I list these three concerns that he has and comment on them, I'm going to tell you my fears. My fears for, yeah, even people in this church, okay, potentially. But the first thing he mentions is we're heading towards a theological tipping point. A theological tipping point. The acceptance by the church of theological error. Now, here's my concern. This is my point. He mentions a theological tipping point. I'll tell you what that is. But I conclude, this is my statement, the acceptance by the church of theological error will render the church impotent. As we embrace theological error, we are rendering the church impotent. He said, Rainer said, if a church does not have a solid biblical and theological foundation, all other issues are moot. And he gives two examples. The first one he talks about is the doctrine of exclusivity. The doctrine of exclusivity. That simply means that there's no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. Okay? That's become controversial. And a lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of influential leaders in this country are questioning that. What's been held by the church for 2,000 years is now being questioned. He says, Rainer says, in some congregation, there is a slippage on the doctrine of exclusivity, the biblical, which is the biblical truth that Christ is the only way of salvation. John 14, 6, it's clear as a bell. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And there's a lot of churches and a lot of pastors fudging on that issue. That's problematic, folks. We're drifting that way. Can you say Joel Osteen? Is there a more influential preacher, if there is, in in our country certainly, than Joel Osteen? Do you know he buys into that? He's teaching that to the 30-something thousand people that gather at his stadium or church, whatever you want to call it, each week. Here, here's a transcript from uh, Larry King interviewing him. Larry King, what if you're Jewish or Muslim, you don't accept Christ at all? Osteen, quote from the transcript, you know, I'm very careful about saying who would and wouldn't go to heaven. He says, I don't know. That's heresy, folks. That's absolute heresy. King goes on to say, if you believe you have to believe in Christ, they're wrong, aren't they? I think Larry King understands it better than Osteen. 
Osteen, now listen to this answer, if you want to scratch your head. The, the question, if you believe you have to believe in Christ, they're wrong, aren't they? Well, I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I believe here's what the Bible teaches, and from the Christian faith, this is what I believe. But I just think that only God with a, ju- with, will judge a person's heart. I spent a lot of time in India with my father. I don't know all about their religion, but I know they love God. And I don't know. I, I've seen their sincerity, so I don't know. I know for me and what the Bible teaches that I want to have a relationship with Jesus. He said to the direct question, aren't they wrong if they don't believe in Christ? He said, I don't know if I believe they're wrong. This is what Tom Rainer is concerned about. You know, the whole idea of exclusivity. Now, that's something that the Bible clearly teaches, folks. It clearly teaches that Christ is the only way. And we've got to be prepared to defend that at whatever cost or capitulate. That's my fear. But under this same idea of the theological tipping point, he cites exclusivity as a problem, but then he talks about the doctrine of of, um, Bible inerrancy and authority. I'm quoting now back from uh, Tom Rainer. He says this, In other congregations, this is his concern, leaders and members are questioning the absolute authority of Scripture. That issue is is as old as creation when the serpent questions God's word, hath God said. Well, that's from Genesis 3.1, where it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath, hath God said. In other words, Satan began by questioning God's word. Rainer goes on to say, We can't even begin to deal with other tipping points until we have resolved the issues of truth and fidelity to Scripture. The slippery slopes of questioning God's authority leads to the decline and the death of churches. And I could not agree with him more. Folks, part of this church, you may be sheltered. There are churches out there by the tens of thousands that that believe the, the Bible contains the word of God. Do you understand the nuance there? No. Are, are, the, are the word of God, become, the Bible becomes the word of God as it speaks to you. Listen, two things are critical concerning Scripture. I'm giving you my opinion now. And those two things are inerrancy and authority. Inerrancy and authority. If you're, if you're wrong on inerrancy, inerrancy, of course, we believe there aren't mistakes in the Bible. There aren't contradictions in the Bible. Are there things hard to understand and figure out? Absolutely. But there aren't mistakes. There aren't contradictions in the Bible. That's inerrancy. If you believe that there are errors in the Bible, you're, you're, you're cutting loose from the anchor. And you can go anywhere. And you're going to end up on the rocks and the ship's going to end up sinking. But if you believe in inerrancy, then that, that, that's going to hold you firm to the truth. But then the second point is authority of God's word. Not just inerrancy, but the authority of God's word. In that the Bible, by authority, we mean, we mean the Bible has the final say about everything. 
It has the final say. I don't have the final say about what's right or what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. You know, even what I should do with my life. The Bible has the final say. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and he doesn't make mistakes, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So Rainer has expressed in his article the concern about the fact of losing the, the power of God's word, losing the authority and the inerrancy of God's word. And let me share this with you. If the word of God, which is more powerful than a two-edged sword, excuse me, let me start over. It is, it is the word of God that is more powerful than a two-edged sword. And when we diminish God's word, we render the church impotent. Therefore, the acceptance by the church of theological error will render the church impotent. If we get the word of God wrong, we've got everything wrong. Look, when you get an errancy right and you get the authority of Scripture right, you're going to be pretty much a conservative, independent, fundamental Baptist. I mean, that's just, if you believe in errancy and authority? You know, years ago, I was, I was telling Brother Jamie in, in my reading of, you know, history, church history in the United States, years ago in the 1800s, late 1700s, early 1900s, an evangelist like Peter Cartwright would come to town. And guess they would have meetings with the Methodists, the Baptists, sometimes the Presbyterians. Because they all were using, first of all, the same King James Bible. And they all believed in inerrancy. And, and, and they, 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 they believed in the authority of God's word. Now, they had some interpretive differences, which made them different organizations. But on the core values of things, they could all get together, and they could have great revival, and hundreds of people come, thousands of people come. But if there's one thing that our churches today has gotten away from, it is from inerrancy, and it is from authority. Listen, I have read statistics that, that this is going to blow your mind, but the majority of pastors in America today do not believe in the literal Genesis account of creation, a majority of them. Where our family and our friends are going, our co-workers are going. And they're being influenced by that because they're only going to church once a week if they do that. And when they go there, they're going to have 45 minutes of music and maybe 15 minutes of some light devotion and a pat on the back. They don't know their Bible, so they're susceptible to these guys leading them wrong. And they don't know any different. Like lambs being led to the slaughter. So he first of all mentions... The theological tipping point. The second thing he mentions, and I get it, I'm I saying amen while I'm reading his article, is the attitudinal tipping point. The attitude tipping point. The attitude of churchgoers today. And I conclude, when a church adopts the attitude that the church should be consumer-driven, then the church becomes irrelevant. When we become consumer-driven rather than Bible-driven, God-driven, Holy Spirit-driven, then we, we become irrelevant. He said, and I quote Rainer, at some point in the recent history of the church, particularly North American churches, becoming a part of a local congregation became a consumer-driven activity. Kind of the old Burger King have it your way. 
You know, churches, it started with the church there in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, somebody help me. Uh, Willow Creek. It started there. We'll take surveys of what people want, and that's what we're going to give them. You know, that's, that's putting the cart before the horse. He says, too many church members want, even demand, their own preferences and desires. In some congregations, we are more likely to hear a member fight over his, his or her own worship style preference rather than ask how he or she might truly serve the body of Christ. Modern churchgoers see church as a place that should cater to their view of how church should be. They see church as a place that should accept and affirm their choices regardless of what the Bible says. That's happening in churches today in overwhelming numbers. I'll give you some examples of what we're talking about. Churches today use styles of worship, styles of music in worship in clear defiance of what the Bible teaches, but based on what the consumer wants. Why has church music changed so drastically in the last 20, 30 years? Because it's consumer-driven. What do people want? And whatever they want, that's what they'll give them. Listen. Music, folks, and I teach this in my starting points class, music is to reflect and should reflect, particularly in church, the character of God. And rocking it out in church does not reflect the character of God. When people are in God's presence, they are on their knees or they are holding up holy hands. Another example, churches ordain women in defiance of clear Bible teaching based on what the consumer wants. Churches perform homosexual weddings in defiance of clear Bible teachings based on what the consumer wants. When the consumer influences the church, the church then ceases to influence the consumer. And then the church, guess what folks, becomes in time irrelevant. It becomes irrelevant. You're just like the world. You're a worldly, we don't need you. You, you, offer, you don't offer us anything. The music's the same, everything's the same. The church is to influence the consumer or the culture, if you will. Matthew 5, 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Boy, that's prophetic. It is henceforth good for nothing. It's irrelevant but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So when a church adopts the attitude that the church should be consumer-driven, folks, the church becomes irrelevant. This has already happened. This, his very concerns, he, he linked them in the beginning of this article to what has already happened in Europe, and it's happening here. And then there is the Third, the actionable, third and final, the actionable tipping point, which means the failure of the church to act in spreading the gospel is irresponsible. And here's quotes from Tom Rainer's article. He says, There are many presumably Bible-believing churches that like the idea of evangelism more than doing evangelism. Frankly, I deal with evangelical church leaders and members every day who profess unwavering fidelity to Scripture but haven't intentionally had a gospel conversion or conversation in recent memory. 
We're so busy with church activities that we neglect active obedience of the Great Commission. We can be passionate about the placement of the offertory and the worship service, but never invite people to come to those worship services. We can complain when the pastor doesn't visit members sufficiently, but never visit the hurting and lost ourselves. That's, that's irresponsibility. The church has to be obedient to the Great Commission, and we had it hanging up here all this past year. Or it's still up there, as a matter of fact. I was thinking we're change, we'll be changing it out in January. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So here's how I summarize his concerns. Again, number one, the acceptance by the church of theological error will render the church impotent. Okay? And theological error is just overtaking Christianity in America today. Number two, when a church adopts the attitude that the church should be consumer-driven, then the church becomes irrelevant. And number three, the church, the failure of the church to act in spreading the gospel is irresponsible. Here's my biggest fears, and we'll close. When so many churches around us are compromising. And when so many Christian personalities on TV, radio, and contemporary music are, 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 are compromising, it puts immense pressure on Christians and individuals and families to capitulate. When everything is going downstream, it's easy just to go. It's a hard thing to turn and swim upstream. And everything is going down right now, folks. And here's my three fears. Number one, someone will plant thoughts in your mind that are not true to Scripture, causing doubt, and pull you away from a Bible-believing church. You'll talk to... And it's, and it's likely to be not unsaved people. It'll be compromising Christians. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll know some of the language, they'll know some of the speak, and they'll talk to you, family gatherings, they'll talk to you on the phone, and before you know it, Joel Osteen, he sure is a nice guy, and this woman pastor, you know, I'm sure she's a nice person. I, look, I, I've been to a couple funerals where they've had women pastors, and they can be some of the friendliest most well-educated, most well-spoken, kindest people you'll ever meet. But that's not the issue. That's not the issue. Not whether they can do it, but does God ordain them to do it? And the answer is clear. No. But you talk to enough people, or you, you read enough books, you, you listen to those TV preachers enough who aren't accountable to anybody, Okay, and who's not going to be there for you when you need them? If you're not careful, and, it, and it's pervasive, you turn on the TV, how many, quote, religious channels are there? I mean, I don't know how many, but a lot. I mean, you, you can get a taste of anything and everything. You've got, that's one of my biggest fears, that you're going to listen to some of that, and before you know it, you're convinced. And if that doesn't get you, the second one, you'll be intimidated by criticism. And your desire to be liked will trump your faithfulness to suffer for Jesus' sake. 
That's a big concern I have going into this next year. Because you'll be... Look, I remember one of our fine young ladies just... Well, maybe it's long, more long ago than what I thought. Maybe, maybe five or six years ago. One of our good young ladies in our church met an area pastor. And she came to me that Sunday. She, had, she knew him. She talked with him. And she came to me and she said, Pastor, what's a legalist? And I explained to her. I said, well, where'd you get that from? She said, well, this pastor up in this area, still around, said our church is legalist. Well, that wasn't a compliment. Okay? That wasn't a compliment. And he planted a doubt in, in that child's mind, that teenager's mind. You know, he's as liberal as the day is long, but he's, he's going to plant, you know, and we want to be accepted. We, we want to be liked. We want to be appreciated, particularly in a small community and the communities others, communities represented here. We want to be liked. And, and I'm afraid that there's going to be some people I fear will be intimidated by the criticism. You guys, you didn't know y'all are legalists, are you? You didn't know? You know and, and I just fear that your desire to be liked and to be accepted, and I understand, who doesn't want to be liked? Who doesn't want to be accepted? I, I, I get that, but I think it's more important to be liked by the Lord and accepted by Him. Who are you trying to please anyway? It was so hard. It was hard for Jesus. I mean, how many times did he get run out of town? How many times did Paul get run out of town? And the third thing I'm concerned about is, as we go into a new year, that you'll be tempted to join a worldly church. Because in a worldly church, guess what? You get to do things that are worldly. And your flesh and my flesh loves worldliness. Amen? Mine does. And that's one of my concerns. You'll be tempted to join a worldly church because in a worldly church, you can be worldly. It's it's an easier path. It's just easier. Hey, we only meet Sunday mornings. If you don't want to meet then, you can meet on Saturday mornings. If you don't do that, just, you know... Tune us in or whatever. And there's no membership. There's no accountability. There's, there, there, there's no nothing. This is what Tom Rainer is, is warning about. This is what he's warning about. And millions of our fellow Christians and those claiming to be Christians, they're going that route. And because they're getting so little Bible these days, one, one service a week maybe, and you know, 45 minutes of music, 15 minutes of you know, a, a really cool pastor up there. You know, it's pervasive. And, and if you think I'm just the, the, the guy, you know, the kid crying wolf, you know, Tom Rainer, he, he's a much bigger name than I am, gets around to much more churches than I am. He's very concerned about this. So uh, let, let me stop by, by saying this. With God's help and by God's grace, as long as I have the privilege of standing behind this pulpit, we are going to be committed to the inerrancy and the authority of Scripture. Okay? And if it dwindles down to me and Sharon and a few others, then that's what it's going to be. But we're committed to inerrancy. And people can criticize, they can gripe, they complain. You know. But I don't want what they have. I, I've seen the results of, of that, that cotton candy 
cultural Christianity. We're going to be committed to the inerrancy and the authority of Scripture, and we're going to do it faithfully, and we're going to do it lovingly. But we're going to do it. We're going to preach the truth in love. Secondly, we are going to stand boldly for the exclusivity of Christ. There is no other way. There is no other way. Only through Jesus Christ can a person possibly go to heaven. We stand. We're not going to doubt. We're not, well, maybe. You know, I just take Jesus at his word. Number three, we're going to be committed to the being salt and light in the world and you know, doing and living what's right, whether people appreciate it, whether they don't, whether they criticize it or not. And we're going to be committed to the spread of the gospel. And I'm going to challenge you to pass out tracts, invite people to church, witness, um, support missions, and do all of that. One of the reasons fundamental, for the most part, and there's, there's some problems with fundamentalism. I, look, I came out of the bad side of fundamentalism. And I've said before, man, I, I wish they were, I wish that those folks were anything but fundamentalists. But, but the good thing about fundamentalism is it has stayed true. It has stayed true. I mean, Paul Kingsbury is still preaching the truth, and he believes in inerrancy and he believes in authority. Bob Wall in Canada believes the same thing. Uh, the, the college down, Pensacola Christian College, uh, Bob Jones Christian College, I mean, there, thankfully, there are still many, many people. And I believe where the truth is proclaimed and where you, you commit to the inerrancy and the authority of God's word, God is going to bless. It's just that so many churches that have given up on that, it, it looks like everything is going, going down the tank. But there are islands of light around this nation where God is blessing and people are coming and they're not finding something that's impotent. They're not finding something that is, what did I say, uh, irrelevant. And they're not finding a church that's irresponsible. And they're sure serving as, as shining points of light. So I hope that my fears as we move forward will not be realized. I've been disappointed in the past. I, I hope and pray not to be disappointed in the future. I know the challenge. I know it's hard. Your family, you, you want to make your family happy. You want to make your friends happy. You don't want to be the oddball at work. But folks, if you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to just, we're just going to have to take it on the chin every now and then. Knowing that he's going to bless and he's going to see us through. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.